0: This episode of Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all possible with a Squarespace website. And right now, listeners to Stuff You Should Know can start a free trial today. Just go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code STUFF and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry, and this is Stuff You Should Know. You're going to love it. <laughs> I think
0: I just said this is remarkably interesting right before we hit record. Well, you're right. Uh, because, I don't know, what are you going to call this thing?
1: How Soda phones Work. <laughs> you trailed off. It's not the best title. It's well, been, It's a well that's been gone to before.
0: Oh, sure. Um, it's really the history of soda,
1: kind of yeah, you know, yeah, I just think it's interesting. I never really thought about it I didn't either and and this is Chuck to me one of those great examples of how you can take anything and really tease out all these different parts to it, sure um and and that just about everything is more interesting than it appears on the surface,
0: yeah, because soda, as we will learn, affected. America and the world and yeah. continues to.
1: Yeah. Basically, all American dominance from the mid-19th century on is because <laughs> of soda.
0: Uh, but you are from Ohio, so do you say pop?
1: Used to. Yeah? You uh, de-popped? I don't even know why I'm saying soda now. Now I say Coke. Yeah, I, I do too. You even say Coke when you want a Sprite. Yeah. In the South. I want a green Coke. You say, uh, <laughs> can I have a Coke? What kind? A Sprite? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're in Atlanta, you know. This is the birthplace of Coke. It is, which we'll we'll talk about. We'll talk about, um, but the the initial, I guess, thread that we took into this topic was soda fountains, right? Correct. And when you think about a soda fountain, this is a, a good example of what I was saying. When you think about a soda fountain, you think about like Bobby Sox teenagers. Right, Bill Haley in the Comets. Yeah, the Fonz. Sure, hair like perfectly in place. Yeah, the Fonz all drunk. Penny first <laughs> Did he get drunk? No, that's the
0: that was the joke. Like Happy Days is so squeaky clean. Wouldn't that it really be is. a great episode if yeah. like the Fonz was hammered and like <laughs> but, wanted but to they get on his motorcycle? It. Oh yeah, they just. everybody just tried to <laughs> avoid him. Yeah, he'll break the jukebox again.
1: Um, he uh, yeah, that would be great. Did you know that that's what, um, Laverne and Shirley spun off of? Yeah. Fine. And Mork and Mindy. Yeah. That's just bizarre. Yeah. That Mork and Mindy. And Joni loves Well, sure. Yeah. But Mork and Mindy was set in the seventies. Yeah. Very weird. Oh, eighties. I thought it was the seventies. Was it seventies? Mm-hmm. Based on the down vests, it was the seventies. All right. I'm pretty sure. All right. So, uh, regardless. When you think of soda fountains, you think of the 50s. Yes. Not the 70s.
0: Right. And Happy Days wasn't in the 50s. That came out in the 70s. Yeah, man. There was a big revival of the 50s culture in yeah. the 70s. sha like, Yeah, like there are... Greece. There always is. Um You know, people tend to reflect back 20 years or so. Nostalgia.
1: Yeah, with nostalgia. There's a great... Think, oh, think, t- things were so much better back then.
0: There's a great podcast episode. One of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life, from the great Andy Daly uh, that centered around Sha Na hmm. And uh, they got in, I can't remember who he did it with, but it was, might have been Matt Besser. No, I can't remember. But they did these characters and it was all about trying out for Sha and drinking egg creams and being a professional water skier. It was very, very funny. They were just making it up? Yeah, I mean, I'm not doing it justice, but just just seek it out. Just type in Andy Daly, Sha and just sit back and get ready for be delighted for an hour. That's awesome. I'll Very check it funny.
1: out. I'll check it out.
0: Uh But yeah,
1: uh, 50s, purity, bobby socks. Soda fountains. Good, clean fun. Here's the thing. You're totally wrong if that's your conception of soda fountains. That's right. By the time the 50s rolled around, soda fountains were already so far on their way out. Yeah. That basically by the 50s, what, hap- what would happen to bars in the 70s, thanks to the Fern Bar, yeah. had already happened to soda fountains by the 40s and 50s. That's right. What was once handcrafted drinks made from freshly prepared ingredients that were mixed there on the premises. Yeah, by a had, soda jerk. Right. Had been replaced by pre-mixed stuff mm-hmm. and canned ingredients that were put together by people who didn't give a darn about you or your family. That's right. Uh, the 40s and 50s were not the heyday of the soda fountain. It's actually much older than that. Yeah, boy,
0: that's that's a setup from the old days. Let's get in the Wayback Machine and go back to Europe. (laughs) When everyone was like, you know what? These mineral waters, we've been drinking this stuff for hundreds of years. And even before that, the Romans bathed in it. Yeah, it's great for you. You drink it, you bathe in it. Splash it on your sister because you want her to be well, to live right. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'll cure everything. It's the cure-all. Back in the, the days where they thought, like, drink this one thing. It'll cure up your STD and your headache, right. your hangover. All at once.
1: All at one time. <laughs> when really, all it did was cure an upset stomach.
0: That's right. That but, was the dirty little secret. But the
1: the idea They didn't that, know that, though. No, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't for centuries, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But the idea that you could drink um uh like naturally carbonated mineral water mm-hmm. and that it could cure your health or at the very least it was delightful. People <laughs> wanted to figure out how to how to get that if you didn't live near a, a naturally carbonated spring. That's right. Which by the way, I was researching this. Did you know Pellegrino is not naturally carbonated? Uh
0: had no I don't know anything about Pellegrino. So.
1: Well, it's a natural mineral water. But they carbonate it there. I didn't realize it wasn't carbonated. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It surprised me. Are you boycotting? No, I I love the stuff. I was just surprised. I mean, is anything these days naturally carbonated and bottled? (sighs) Dude, now that you say that, you've just given me a great opening to mention this book I just read called The Dorito Effect. Oh, yeah. You have to read it. Yeah, good. It's about the food we eat today. Uh Uh-huh. And just how incredibly manufactured it is. Oh yeah! But the really refreshing thing about it is that anybody can read this book. It's basically apolitical. Uh-huh. It doesn't lay this at anybody's feet. It doesn't blame anybody. It doesn't right. suggest there's anything nefarious going on. It's just like here's here's what here's our food right now. Wow! It's really interesting. I'll check it out. Really approachable, interesting book. They don't even blame Big Dorito. No. I mean they basically trace the origin of our current food standards back to the invention of the Dorito, hence the name. But uh it's a it's a really great book. Definitely worth reading. Uh I'll check that out. And people ask us for book recs all the time. So That's one. Yeah, pay yeah. attention. Yumi got that for me and I read it in like two days. Did she read it? She hasn't read it yet. I grabbed it first.
0: Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. So she bought it for the family.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Always I was, for the family. I thought
0: it was a gift. Like, I read this, and now I'm going to give it to you.
1: No, she read about it. Gotcha. Thought about me. Mine. Bought it. <laughs> and I was like, give me that. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, so mineral water was very appealing. Uh And and human beings said, you know what? That'd be great if we could bottle this junk ourselves. Right. Even though bottling isn't really a thing yet. Uh, or at least, you know, not anything that worked. No. Carbonated like water.
1: Stoneware and a, a cork. Yeah does not give carbonation cork. <laughs> right uh so
0: uh, 1767 is when um joseph priestley who we've talked about before no 2 yeah more than once uh british chemist he said you know what i figured this out i uh, fermented some yeast mash and um put it in this water get you pretty messed up yeah and look at it bubble it's delightful
1: and everybody's like whoa, that's a decent Approximation to semi-carbonated water. Yeah,
0: not a bad first step, though.
1: Nice going, Priestley.
0: Uh, so sixteen years later, uh, there was a Swiss scientist named Johann Jakob Schwepp.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "You know what? I've, I actually built a device, this hand crank compression pump, and um, I can make this stuff, and I'm going to found a company called Schweppes because that's my name." All right. And you're going to be hearing it for
1: centuries. Yeah. And he actually, he was definitely onto something. What Schwepp figured out was not just this invention that he made, but he also realized that to carbonate water, which let's talk about carbonating water, shall we? Sure. Artificially carbonating, I should say. To carbonate it, there's some uh, conditions that are most conducive to carbonating water because CO2 molecules and H2O molecules do not like to get together.
0: Yeah. You don't just throw it in there and they're like, start hugging it out. Right. And say, great. Now drink me.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, their, their bond angles, I believe, uh-huh. are totally different. Yeah. And they're at, they're at such a, such an angle that like, they just do not go together very well. But, uh, Jakob Schwepp said, you know what? I wonder if you use really, really cold temperatures, like near freezing water. Mm-hmm. If that would help. He was correct. Correct. Uh, and also if you put it under pressure, maybe say seven atmospheres. Yeah. It would, it would help. He was correct with that too.
0: That's right. And that's what you need cold and pressure. And, uh, if you get that going, then that gas dissolves into the liquid. Yeah. And those molecules start to party and hug it out. And, uh, you know,
1: that's what it's pretty amazing that someone figured that out way back then. But it's even more amazing that. It wasn't like he's like, I'll just take the CO2 canister and this cold water and put it together under pressure. Yeah. This dude had to make his own CO2. Sure. So he, he used, uh, the old sulfuric acid and powdered marble combination. That old trick. Right. <laughs> Which is, um, we'll talk about is it. kind of dangerous to put together. Yeah. But this, is, so to, to create carbonated water, Schweppes had to first create carbon dioxide. So he had a lot of stuff going on. He he was the first guy to come up with a, a mechanized version of creating carbonated water. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it took many, many, many more years before it became even close to a perfected process.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, as you'll see, it happened. Many people chipped in over the course of a lot of time. Um, Namely, Mr. Charles Plinth, uh, in 1813, he invented the – or I don't know if he invented – I think he might have invented, or at least he perfected the soda <laughs> siphon, which, if you've ever seen an episode of The Three Stooges.
1: Are you, I, I, we've got one. You don't have one of those? No, I don't have one. You got to get one. I got a soda stream. I'm all good. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't need one then. Uh, 1813,
0: and that means he could either squirt someone in the face mm-hmm. and have a comedy routine. Right. Or he could, uh, serve you some carbonated liquid yeah which is great but you had to keep refilling that thing at the source yeah that and was the problem
1: and especially i mean like if you're if you're having to make your own co2 it's one thing to just use those little chargers today yeah it's it's not much of a problem but if you have to make your own co2 first before you create the siphon yeah uh you're yeah that's a, that's a big process sure so again like these guys are kind of like poking away at the edges of the problem of Coming up with mass-produced carbonated water a big, big problem, <laughs> right? And and they're contributing and adding to 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 this nutcracker, but no one's actually cracked the nut yet.
0: It would be 1832 when a, a man named John Matthews. Yeah, he's American, born in England. Is best of both worlds. <laughs> uh, he developed a, a chamber, a lead line chamber, where he could actually. Mix he could actually generate that c o two right, so Schweppes had already generated the c o two before, yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah, I thought Matthews was the first to do that,
1: no, okay, Schweppes actually was creating c o two gotcha he he didn't have this self contained apparatus that that Matthews came up with that was his his huge innovation,
0: who Matthews, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he mixed it together with that water, and he created carbonated water. And you could bottle it, but um bottling wasn't like a big – uh you couldn't mass bottle it at no, this point.
1: No, and what he came up with, this invention that he came up with, was um, it was big enough to serve a decent-sized clientele. Yeah. Going from, you know, like the Schweppes-era invention where you could make 20 of these a day – 20 carbonated drinks a day. Sure. All of a sudden, with Matthew's invention, you can make like hundreds. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was immobile. So it was either good for bottling, which at the time bottling sucked in America. The glass wasn't good enough to, to bottle stuff under pressure. Yeah. Or you could make carbonated drinks there on site. And that's what it led to was directly the creation of the soda fountain. Yeah. The, the place where you would go get a soda. Hooray for him. Yeah.
0: So uh, we'll take a little break and we'll uh, come back with one final gentleman who, uh, although he failed, he had a big impact on the soda fountain industry.
1: Yeah. You know how when you get something done with just the click of a mouse and you get to put it off of your to-do list once and for all, and it feels so good? Yeah, buddy. That's the feeling of stamps.com, Chuck.
0: I like that kind of simple action, my friend. You can get your mailing and shipping done without leaving your desk thanks to Stamps.com because it
1: turns your PC or Mac into
0: your own personal post office that never closes.
1: Yeah, right there on your own personal post office that never closes. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or any package using your own computer and printer. Then you just hand it off to your friendly mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox. You'll never have to go to the post office again. That's right, and we have a pretty sweet deal right now if you sign up for Stamps.com.
0: All you have to do is use our offer code STUFF, and you get the following special offer. A four-week trial.
1: Plus, $110 bonus offer, including postage and a handy-dandy digital scale. Yep. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in S-T-U-F-F. That's Stamps.com. Enter stuff.
0: All right. Benjamin, silly man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Silliman, I believe is probably how he preferred to have it pronounced, don't you think? He was very serious. He probably was. Uh, he said, you know what? Uh, I may be a failure in my businesses, but I'm going to go down in history as maybe the guy who had the most to do with the creation of soda, uh, in a mass ubiqui- ubiquitous way. Right. Um, he was a professor of chemistry. At Yale, go, uh, geez, what is Yale? Hoyas,
1: mm-hmm. right? Or
0: Bulldogs. Know. Hoyas is Georgetown.
1: So I think it's the Bulldogs, Bulldogs. the Yale Bulldogs.
0: Gotcha. Uh, the Yale Hodgmans. That's their mascot <laughs> He's a Yalie, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he went to Yale.
1: Oh, oh, you don't say. Yeah.
0: So um, he, uh, because he was a chemistry professor at Yale, didn't make a ton of money, wanted to make a little dough on the side. And his whole jam was kind of going back to the old days. Is this mm-hmm. stuff is medicinal. Right. And I'm really going to move all my chips in on the medicine angle. Right. Which turned out to not be the best move.
1: No, and it wasn't necessarily that he just focused on the med- the medicinal aspect of it. It was apparently he didn't know how to create like a fun time establishment. Right? right? He was a Yale chemistry professor. <laughs> so he, he created two, um, two of the first basically soda fountains in New York City based on Matthew's design, which again was a lead chamber where you put the, uh, calcium carbonate and the sulfuric acid together, created CO2. Yeah. It bubbled up through water, uh, to purify it. And then, uh, that, Purified CO2 entered a very cold spring water chamber and bubbled up and created carbonated water, right? That's making me thirsty. So silly man created two of these houses and he he set them up at two very elite places in New York. Yeah. The City Hotel and uh, the Tontine Coffee House. Yeah, right there on Wall Street. Right. Um and he started serving this stuff. But again, he was serving it as medicine. And I, the impression I have is that it was kind of like, uh, please give me your money. Great. Here's your medicine. Drink it. Please get out. <laughs> there is no fraternizing. There's no talking. Some other people noticed this and said, that's a really great idea. Uh, costs have finally come down enough to where I can get some investors and we can open our own pump house, our own soda fountain. Yeah. But we're going to throw in some books. We're going to like promote people talking and maybe they'll stick around and order a second one. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't see that's weird though. Cause the Tontine coffee house was like a very social place where people hung out.
1: Well, then he did something wrong that other people didn't do or that did better. Well, maybe they were just drinking coffee. Because he went under. Well, the whole thing, I mean, like com- competitive yeah. soda fountains, like buried him. But he was the guy who came up with the idea. So his he, he created the legacy. He just wasn't very good at business.
0: That's right. Hats off to you, silly man. Hats off. All right. So these uh, other gentlemen opened up more successful shops. Then they started popping up. Of course, once it happens in New York, the next place is going to be Philly. Uh, Baltimore. Yeah, and it was it was a legit business. It was a thing. But it was tied to pharmacies as well. Yeah, which seems weird, but not when you think about it.
1: No, um and one of the big reasons why it was tied to pharmacies is because it took tremendous skill to properly create carbon dioxide. Yeah. Um They blew to, up. Yes, yeah. Oh yeah, like you could die at a soda fountain yeah. just hanging out um they blew up uh the sulfuric acid could leach into the finished product and you could be served a cup of sulfuric acid not very good yeah um there were a lot of things that could go wrong in mixing this so it, th- this is tech uh, technical expertise that pharmacists already had so it made sense for them to say we got this which is why it is it does become less weird to associate the soda fountain with the pharmacy yeah which it would very soon Uh, become basically like like hand-in-hand with.
0: Yeah. um, You know, I grew up in Stone Mountain, and the the old village of Stone Mountain Mm -hmm. had a pharmacy Mm -hmm. straight out of Happy Days. And, you know, I was in, it was like the 70s and 80s, and it sounds like the 50s, but I would like walk down there and get like a Coke float, and like they would put it on my parents' tab. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And this was, I mean, it seems like, like, yeah, literally Happy Days times. Sure.
1: But uh, it was 85.
0: It was 85? Yeah. I was like 12 or 13. It's pretty great. Walking down to the old pharmacy. Thinking would, about how cool David Hasselhoff is? Yeah. They would, actually, I didn't watch Knight Rider. so I didn't either. I wasn't on the Hasselhoff train. Big Let's fan see. of his music, but not Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they would just jerk me a soda. And uh, I don't even think we said why they were called soda jerks. Because right. that's the motion that you would make.
1: Yeah, you jerk the the yeah. the tap handle yeah,
0: or soda jerkers. I've seen them called that as well.
1: Or soda throwers. I saw it too. Oh, I like that. The reason they were called soda throwers is because um it took a lot of skill to mix these drinks very uh, like on yeah. the level of the bartenders that were working at the time. And as a matter of fact, some bartenders, especially during prohibition, became soda jerks.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of showmanship involved. Right, it's kind of a, like a cool job to have.
1: Yeah. But we haven't reached that point yet. We're at about the mid 19th right. century when it's really starting to get popular and it's spreading for, through through the major cities of the U.S.
0: Correct. So they're in pharmacies, like you said, because uh, they had skill at doing this, and it just made sense, and it had the old, the old, you know, medicinal tie-in. Right. Like here, drink this uh, tonic that I've made for you, this ginger ale or this root beer.
1: And apparently, by this time. Everybody knew that carbonated water didn't have any real medicinal properties. Well, yeah, that was kind of the
0: the joke. Well, right. Well, not the joke, but joke was on them.
1: But the So the pharmacist would say, well, just, I'll put some real drugs in here then. Let's see what happens. Yeah, like it didn't have to have minerals at this point. Right. But people loved the fizz. Right. It, they were crazy for the fizz. Still do. Right. And putting like herbs and drugs and stuff into a drink was not – an American mid 19th century invention, right? It goes back really, really far. This is folk medicine. And actually in, um, Europe, there was all sorts of stuff that we brought over. Like the idea of root beer is actually Uh way older than Charles Hires invention. Yeah. Um, it goes back to, uh, native America, um, indigenous European groups, just basically anybody who ever put roots and bark, and um Boil herbs, it yeah, boiled it. And the reason they were making this stuff was because the the water supply was questionable at the time. So you were basically purifying water by fermenting it, by brewing it yeah. and making an alcoholic drink. And it would be called small beer. And small beer was beer well, it was a drink like that, like the original root beer, yeah. the original ginger beer. These were small beers, and they were used to basically drink instead of water. Kids would drink it; everybody would drink it. Yeah, it usually had pretty low amounts of alcohol in it. But taking those that same idea of using things like sassafras or um, sarsaparilla, ginger, yeah, or uh, whatever, and putting it together with a spark, these, this new sparkling water that you could get from a tap at a soda fountain—that was the big innovation. Remarkable, yeah.
0: And uh, pharmacists at the time, they were adding some booze, like not neg- uh, negligible amounts like uh, alcoholics would uh, if they were broke, they might go to the pharmacy to get, you know, what amounts to like a shot of whiskey mm-hmm. and their little elixir. Uh, because it wasn't taxed like uh, alcohol was. Yeah, so and, they could get a cheaper drink.
1: And I guess it was more socially acceptable too, because you were yeah. going for medicine rather than going to the bar for leisure. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get my medicine. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, what else? Drugs, like not just alcohol, like um, drugs, drugs. Yeah, like drugs. <laughs> just go ahead and say it. Drugs, heroin.
1: Yeah, heroin, morphine, opium, uh, cannabis, strychnine. Yeah, and this is pre-Food
0: and Drug uh, Act of 1906 right. that this was going on. So if you wanted to pick me up, you would trot down to the store in the morning to the pharmacy. All right. And you would get your cocaine drink. Yeah. And I guess the heroin wasn't a pick me up.
1: That was a take me down. Take me down. <laughs> you had that at the end of the day. Um yeah, the well you remember in the bar's episode we talk about bitters in cocktails. Those were originally like medicinal supposedly yeah. too, you
0: know. Well, and people still swear by that stuff.
1: Yeah. For
0: like a tummy ache, right?
1: I guess I could see bitters giving you a tummy ache if you had too much, but
0: yeah, you know. You'd be the one to know. You like your bitters, right? I like bitters. Yeah. I I'm not well, you know me, I don't drink a lot of that stuff, but just the name itself turns me off.
1: So I came across um something in here, uh, phosphates, right? I'm like, what is a phosphate? Yeah. It's a, a type of uh, drink that you could get around this time, mid to late 19th century. And even up into, into the 20th century, it was a very famous type of soda fountain drink. Like, here, son, have a nice cold phosphate. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? And a phosphate usually was some sort of uh, sweetener, uh, some kind of usually a fruit, maybe like cherry Syrup or something yeah, like that yum. and um, carbonated water mm. and then the stuff called acid phosphate and acid phosphate um, is this compound that gives it brings out like the sour notes in in a, whatever drink it's in. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of a tingle, a little bit of a kick. It's weird. And I looked, I'm like, is this stuff still around? Surely enough, it is. So I am going to get some and try to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. But the phosphate, that was a, another thing you would put in, too. And originally, phosphates were thought to cure things like hypertension. So like all these things right. that really just kind of came to form a taste or a flavor or a, a mouthfeel uh-huh. of a what we now see as a soft drink, originally started out as medicine, booze, or drugs. Right. <laughs> and then all of them would be put together and you would go drink it in the morning and say, I'm just getting some medicine. Uh,
0: well, and this is a time, of course, like, uh, you know, this article points out. Where'd you get this, by the way? This is really good.
1: Uh, this is actually, we've given a shout out already. This is a Collector's Weekly article. Yeah. In addition by, uh, to our own. Hunter Oatman Stanford, who just has written some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Collector's like- Weekly, it's like really bizarre that they put out some of the finest articles on the Internet. Why is that bizarre? Just cause you would think it'd be so niche that oh, like sure. they, they, it'd just be too narrow, but they're actually really good at taking in the expansiveness of whatever they're talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah. The history of stuff, I mm-hmm. bet. Uh, this is a time, um, they point out in the article, uh, in the late 1800s when, uh, <laughs> the quote here is cocaine was a wonder drug when it was first discovered. It was marvelous medicine that could do you no harm. <laughs> right. <laughs> the early days of cocaine when everybody was like, This stuff just makes you feel great.
1: Right. What's the problem? Yeah, it's great. It's
0: a bracer. Yeah, which was the, you know, what people thought all the way up until like 1990s.
1: (laughs) What I thought was funny was that the, uh, (laughs) the, the person who was talking about, um, how much cocaine was usually found. Yeah. In a drink. Uh huh. Uh, a hundredth of a gram. And then the person goes on (laughs) to say about a tenth of a line of cocaine. Right. Yeah, and then they say or a bump. Right, not that I would know. <laughs> right, they also said I'm joking about the bump part, but they did say a tenth of a line. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's, that's what a he's very talking bizarre about. Bizarre measurement. It depends on the line, I guess, too, right? Sure.
0: I mean, it's a weird thing to quantify, right? But I've seen, you know, you know what I mean, like a tenth of a line,
1: like a normal line, right? No, like a, a
0: hog, <laughs> just like you know, a respectable just one, a
1: little rail. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I thought that was an odd quote from that guy too. Um, and here's the thing, as far as cocaine being, and we'll talk about Coca-Cola coming up too, but I found a a lot of varying amounts, uh, from negligible to significant. Mm -hmm. Um, I found one thing that said it took, uh, 30 glasses to produce an actual dose of the drug, but I've also seen, you know, this guy says it's like a bump. So, (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't know who to believe. And I think the secrets probably died with the people that that had these recipes back then. Right. Like, I, I don't know if we can know for sure how much cocaine. Uh, Coca-Cola still officially says that there was no cocaine, but... No, do they? I think that's their, their official stance. Oh. Um,
1: well, everybody else says there was definitely cocaine in it. You want to take a break then and talk about Coca-Cola? Yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: Josh, whether you're wearing suits, sweatpants, uh-huh. or a Canadian tuxedo,
1: you're going to spend 24 hours a day just about in your underwear. That's right. So, if you're going to spend so much time in your underwear, you might as well make it excellent underwear, which means you might as well make it me undies.
0: That's right. Every pair of me undies underwear is made from sustainably sourced modal. It's a fabric that is twice as soft as cotton, and boy, does it feel good.
1: Yep. And. Me undies is so sure that you're going to think they're the world's most comfortable underwear, that if you don't love your first pair of me Undies, they're free. No questions asked. Yeah, and
0: not only do they feel great, they look cool. They have dozens of styles, lots of limited edition prints. They're going to help you make a statement with your underwear.
1: Yep, and shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada. Plus... You can save up to $8 a pair with the Me Undies subscription plan. You can get that subscription plan or even just a single pair. Either way, you'll get 20% off your first order when you go to undies.com slash stuff. That's right. That's MeUndies.com
0: slash S-T-U-F-F for 20% off your first order.
1: So, Chuck, we were talking about how you could find everything from heroin to uh, cannabis to, um, well, cocaine in drinks. And most famously, you found cocaine, as far as everybody apparently but Coca-Cola says, in Coca-Cola. Yeah. and And if you work at Coke or something like that, please write in and explain to us how everyone else in the world says that there was cocaine in it. And apparently it unearthed recipes for Coca-Cola that in involve cocaine, but how is it not in Coca-Cola? I want to know if that's uh, the I case.
0: Set us straight. Unless they've changed their stance, but this thing I found that says uh, their official stance is that it did not. Okay. So we'll see. Um, all right, so it's 1886, yep. late 1800s, uh, and there's a former uh, colonel uh, in the Confederate Army, Civil War vet, named uh, Doc Pemberton. They called him Doc. His (laughs)
1: parents didn't name him Doc?
0: He went on to be a pharmacist, Uh, John Pemberton. And uh, he's trying to find a solution for Civil War soldiers who were addicted to uh, narcotics, painkillers.
1: Right. Because they did pretty lousy battlefield treatment. Sure. Well, they did the best they could. Yeah, well, it wasn't good enough. Medicine
0: wasn't far along back then. Right. Uh, and so he concocted this thing, um, called Coca-Cola. That was the original Coca-Cola.
1: Is it true? Do you have in there that it was, um, originally made with still water and that no one liked it? And then he tried oh, it with that. carbonated water. That seems senseless because carbonated cause was... water was all the rage. Yeah. That's at what I was about time. to say.
0: That didn't make any sense. I could see that though. A misstep perhaps. Maybe. maybe. Uh, and it was, um, First sold at Jacob's Pharmacy in Atlanta, Georgia for a nickel.
1: Where is that? That was downtown. Oh,
0: okay. That that was all there was of Atlanta back then. Sure. Like Inman Park was a suburb. Right. Was considered a suburb. And for those of you who don't know, Inman Park now is just a neighborhood right off of downtown. Right. <laughs> and the suburbs are 40 miles outside of Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, they are. Like everywhere 40 else. 40 miles in,
1: the in a four hour <laughs> car ride.
0: Uh, so Doc Pemberton makes this, sells it at Jacob's Pharmacy. Uh, his partner, Frank Robinson, uh, was a bookkeeper and partner. He's the one actually named it Coca-Cola. He designed that script that they still use today. Oh wow. Uh, he came up with the first, uh, I guess slogan, which was the pause that refreshes. And, uh, they started giving away coupons for the stuff for like a free Coca-Cola, uh, which got its name because it contained, uh, elements from the coca plant mm-hmm. and cola nuts. Right, from, ni-
1: from Nigeria, I believe, is yeah. where they originate.
0: So it's like a very on-the-nose And
1: Coca-Cola Cola plants have, like, tons of caffeine in them.
0: Yeah, so, so cocaine and lots of caffeine. Right. <laughs> so it was doing the job, basically. Yeah. Uh, and in 1916, they developed that uh, distinctive contoured bottle, which it took a lot longer to get that patented. I think, like, the 70s or something. Oh, really? surprising. Wow. But I think the, they said the idea was they wanted you to be able to tell it, like, in the dark. Yeah. Uh, Just if you groping
1: were, around. Yeah, if you had
0: a, a Coke bottle in
1: your hand. So Coke wasn't the only one putting drugs in their drinks. No, of course not. Um, like we said, there are plenty of other drugs. 7-Up, very famously, had uh, lithium citrate in it. Oh, yeah? Until the, I think, the 50s or 60s even, maybe. Lithium, of course, is the very famous mood stabilizer. Oh, wow. Uh, used to treat things like, uh, bipolar disorder and depression and all sorts of stuff. Interesting. S- so you could drink seven up. Up.
0: Ah. So we jumped ahead a little bit going back again to the early 1800s is when, uh, these flavored sodas really first kind of came on the scene and they <laughs> started, um, a lot of citrus drinks. Um, and the theory was that like people were used to lemonade being a refreshing thing
1: well, plus also again, this was a, a medicine citrus was used to treat scurvy,
0: sure. yeah, and you could get those uh citric uh citrus oils mm-hmm. pretty easily right uh so yeah, there was a lot of like orange and lemony flavored things early on um, what else uh cherry vanilla were some of the early flavors uh wintergreen was a big one I don't know about that. I wouldn't want a wintergreen soda, I don't think.
1: Grape, nutmeg, pomegranate, cherry.
0: I used to love the grape drink when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Like uh,
1: Fana or Nehi grape. Sure. Mm. Fago. Fago was what we had up in Ohio.
0: Yeah, we didn't uh, have a lot of Fago.
1: I don't remember Fago grape, but um, Fago had a pineapple drink. Oh, my God. Was it good? It was so good. And then their uh, red pop was really good, too. Yeah, I never got into the reds either. Mm. I was kind of an,
0: I still am an orange guy. I'll, I'll drink a, a fan of orange like i'll drink like 10 of them a year yeah and it's just such a treat nice delicious
1: like all 10 at once one day a year (laughs) i do i get so sick (laughs) you're like oh i don't ever want to see this again
0: (laughs) my dad oh man he would drink the knee-high peach Uh like it was going out of
1: style oh yeah yeah never had one of those Uh, i'm not into the peach that much dude we just got back from japan they got peach down pat over there
0: what do you mean? Growing the
1: trees? No, the 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 flavor in oh. like candy or whatever Fake like that. Yeah. yeah. Um because it is it's very um delicate. Uh-huh. It's not like punching you in the face. It's almost like your tongue is chasing after the taste cuz it wants a little more. Oh wow. It's really good. And mm-hmm. That should be
0: their motto. <laughs> right. For, for whatever, all of it. Right. Uh they were using generally simple syrups, very sugary simple syrups. And um, like you said, they would mix them up right there. They had cool names. Uh, who's this guy? Uh, DeForest Sachs had a book called Sachs' New Guide or Hints to Soda Water Dispensers, like all of the books back then. Right. There was an or in the title. Uh, he would serve you an opera bouquet or an almond sponge or
1: swizzle fizz. That's a good one. They just sound delicious. Swizzle fizz. It's amazing how this relates to our bartending episode. Well, okay. So I'm glad you brought that up because if you walked into a really great hotel bar, say like the Waldorf Astoria in the 1880s or 90s, Mm -hmm. you would just be like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. Even still today, they're pretty great. But they were like brand new marble, brand new polished wood and yeah. brass and mirrors and onyx and all sorts of just beautiful stuff, right? Yeah, gorgeous. And if you, if you looked a little further along the bar, um, you would say all you'd have to do is put in a row of carbonation taps and you, you'd have yourself a soda fountain. Yeah. Because, um, they were the same type of establishment. It was just one served alcoholic drinks. And the other one served what are considered soft drinks. Right. As they got further and further away from medicine, especially after the 1906 act, um, the F, the Food and Drug Purity Act, um, they, 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 they took drugs out and replaced it with sugar. And this was the big American innovation. Yeah. But at the time, um, they, the bars and the soda fountains competed with one another. Oh yeah. And the, the best ones looked very similar to one another yeah. and they would have equally uh, capable bartenders or soda jerks right? who could mix up some amazing stuff that would knock your socks off. Yeah. Um And then that made it ready made to be like the champion of the temperance movement. Oh, yeah. So when the temperance movement came along in like the late 19th century and really started to get some traction all the way up until what, 1919, the year before Prohibition. That was 1920, right?
0: The last good year.
1: Uh, people were, yeah, people were like, soda fountains are the place to be.
0: Yeah. And there's a, there's a lady that, um, there's this woman that wrote a book called Soda Shop Salvation, uh, named Ray Catherine, uh, Eigme or Aime. And, um, she kind of makes a case for the, the good that came out of prohibition, which was, um, pre-prohibition, there were, it was this bar and saloon culture where the men went and drank and left their families at home mm-hmm. and left their kids at home. And she argues that because of Prohibition, the soda shops won out, mm-hmm. or at least for a while. Right. And there was a big boom, and all of a sudden, women and children were going out to eat more uh, as families. Oh, nice. Uh, with their with their dads, and that uh, there was like more dining out. There was a big rise in sugar as a whole. Like this is when ice cream really started to boom. Right. Um. Maybe. Part and parcel to the, to the, uh, floats, like, uh, soda floats with ice cream. Right. But, um, yeah, she said, you know, some good things came out of prohibition. She, she said the USA needed a reset was how she put it.
1: Oh, and on he, drinking? Just
0: period. Like, uh, the, the sort of the cultures that came around because of prohibition was, you know, we were heading down a dark road, she thinks. I see. Uh, with the saloon and bar culture and leaving the families out of it. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting take.
1: Yeah, I remember that from our bars episode too. Yeah. That after Prohibition, it, it, because the speakeasy didn't have any rules to follow, it was like a new thing. Right. Um, women started showing up yeah. and they, they've been going to bars ever since. But before that, it was strictly like males. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so even before, but during and including after, um, Prohibition, Chuck, the soda fountain was just immense. Like, huge. I think in, uh, Oh, I can't remember. Somewhere in the 19th century, the mid 19th century, New York City had like 600 something soda fountains in it. Just New York City, right? There yeah. were thousands and thousands of them around the United States. In 1929, there was something like 60,000 pharmacies in the United States. 75% of them had a soda fountain. Amazing. There was one in um, in New York called the Pennsylvania Drug Company. It was at Penn Station. <laughs> They sold the name says it all. <laughs> they sold on a good day. They would sell drinks to nine thousand customers. Wow. They made two hundred and fifty grand a year selling soda, soft drinks, um, which is like three and a half million dollars in sales in two thousand fifteen money. And then all of a sudden it starts to dry up. Yeah. Like we said, by the forties and fifties become quaint. Uh by the seventies, they were down to I think a third of pharmacies had a soda fountain still now today i mean good luck finding them there's yeah. just a handful around go to cbs and ask for <laughs> hey jerk me a soda and see what they'll throw you <laughs> out of there um, there's like kind of a revival going on now but uh it's just they're, they just virtually disappeared yeah and what's interesting is they've actually tracked what killed the soda fountain and there's a few a few factors that were pretty interesting
0: yeah one of them uh and we've talked about car culture and Mm -hmm. the culture of the expressways and highways and the suburbs and how america grew right um shunning public transportation in favor of cars and highways right and that was one of the big things you know people the little downtown stone mountain pharmacy wasn't as popular because people didn't live anywhere near there anymore right i mean some people did of course sure uh people were flying the coop basically
1: yeah spending time out on the open road yep um you didn't really have that. You didn't want to spend as much time like hanging around a soda fountain. Maybe you just wanted some refreshment to go.
0: Right? The drive through culture.
1: Yeah. Um, and then probably the bottle cap was the thing that really killed the soda fountain.
0: Yeah. Cause now you could enjoy it
1: at home. Yeah. Or you could buy it on the road and just take it with yep. you. Um, yeah. That the bottle cap probably more than anything killed the soda fountain.
0: I read a thing too that said Coca Cola invented the six
1: pack. Is that right?
0: Yeah, at one point they started selling them, you know, in six packs, and right. that became like the number.
1: That's really surprising. Yeah,
0: or they at least they like to claim they take credit for that. Right.
1: No cocaine came up with the six. Pack. I don't know
0: what the truth is anymore. You ever been to the World
1: of Coke? Oh sure, I haven't been to the new one though. I haven't been at all. You've never been to the World of Coke? No, it's one of those things in your hometown that you ignore. You have, know? You, have you <laughs> been to the uh, uh, the Center for? Human Rights, the Civil, the Human Rights Museum.
0: Uh, That's amazing. Where, the MLK
1: Center? No. No. This is newer. Oh, okay. It's just a couple of years old, but it's down, it's like the Aquarium, World of Coke, the Human Rights Museum. No, I haven't seen that. you got to check it out. It's a it's a downer, but in all the oh, best Oh, I'll go ways. to that,
0: but I'm not going to the World of Coke. Yeah. It's like New Yorkers, they don't go to the Guggenheimer Central Park. What? <laughs> it's just one of those hometown things you ignore. Yeah. Kidding, of course.
1: Uh, So, you got anything else? I got nothing else. If you want to know more about soda fountains and soda pop and all that kind of stuff, uh, you can search the internet for it. You can type those words into HowStuffWorks.com on the search bar. And also, we want to give a shout out to, again, Collectors Weekly, The Art of Drink, and Today I Found Out, all three of which... We uh, used as some source material too.
0: Yeah, along with our own uh, How Stuff Works article, how right. all soda fountains work.
1: So thanks to you all for making great stuff. And as I said that, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this "We Changed a Life." Uh, hey guys, want to say thanks for all the great shows? Uh, let you know that you had a big impact on my life uh, some time ago during a listener feedback. I'm sorry, Facebook Q and A. A young listener asked advice on Career paths. And you said that you should do what they love. Trust me, that's not like the most innovative advice ever. (laughs) But that's what we said. Uh, At the time, I was uh, being made redundant from a career in buying, uh, but knew it wasn't what I loved. I took your advice, uh, got some experience volunteering at school, having always learned to love and share ideas, and that started a whole new career path. Uh, Now, I've just finished my teaching qualification. Um which was really tough as a mature student, raising my own kids. And next week, start my first job as a class teacher at Y6 Primary. Nice. Um, I think this is the end of elementary school for you guys, uh, ages 10 to 11 uh, kids. I hope I can engage and inspire children in my class the way you do with your listeners. So I wanted to say cheers. You can use this in the classroom. That's one good way. Yeah. Uh, and that is from Catherine, a.k.a.
1: Mrs. Young. Thanks a lot, Mrs. Young. That is very awesome. Congratulations. Way to go.
0: Yeah, and she was gutted to not see us in the UK. We, <laughs> gu- we gutted a lot of
1: I Brits. Yep. I-, I think that's hilarious. It's a popular term.
0: It. They all said the same thing.
1: They were gutted. gutted. Interesting. Yep. Well, thanks, Mrs. Young. Again, nicely done. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast or Josh M. Clark. You can hang out with us on Facebook at Charles W. Chuck Bryant or Facebook.com slash stuff You can hang out with us on Instagram, and you can send us an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.